2: Welcome to Upfront, I'm Chloe Morgan and I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. On today's show, my prediction skills are proved unmatched as famous Dark Horses, Man United, I mean I don't know how famous the Dark Horses you can really categorise that as, but I'm going with it, uh, Climb to the top of the WSL table on the back of a double from Ella Toon, my top goal scorer prediction Alright, move on. Uh, their rivals did their best to keep up, including Man City who have finally won a WSL game. Well done. Man City, Aww, go on, nice. you guys. You did well there. Go on. Uh, we get stuck into all of that. Last night's Ballon d'Or winner, Alexia Putellas, uh, and a look ahead to the return of the Champions League, and that's all in the company of the Zone's football reporter, Alex ibacetto Welcome. Look at Woo-hoo. that. I think that's the best intro I've ever gotten. You're very welcome. We like to make all of our guests feel do. incredibly welcome, incredibly hyped, incredibly boosted and full of confidence to go into the podcast. <laughs> That's what we aim for here. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that you feel very, very, um, very welcomed into the, your first time on the podcast. So lovely to have you. Um, Rach, I mean, you've got a touch on the island qualifying for the whole World Cup thing. Heard it was a big deal for you. Um, Just a bit. And your country. So, um <laughs> What were your thoughts on that? I mean, we were obviously messaging a little bit after the game. I felt emotional knowing how emotional you were after that. But I know, obviously, you were ever the professional, had a lot of things to do, getting content. You know, it wasn't just a a case of you being able to celebrate and go crazy with your pints of Guinness. It was... um, (laughs) A different thing for you. How was it? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, even though I was working it, which kind of, it makes it weird then because
3: you can't just sit there jumping up and down. And you're like, oh no, actually I have to take photographs. I have to get some photo photos and like video content on my phone. But what was lovely was there is some other Irish photographers there who I've met at previous Ireland matches um, back in Dublin. And they were as big into it as I was. And, and after the goal was scored, you know, one of the guys ran down the touchline to get some photos and he came back and he had a massive high five. Like we were all living and breathing every pass, every shot we had you know the other games on our phone that we were keeping track of and it just felt like it sounds so cringy but it really was their moment because so many parts of this have gone their way in order for them to get this like going into it winning the game against Finland and they had to have other results go their way in order for them to miss playoff one and that happened And then in playoff two, they probably still had a very difficult chance of going straight to the World Cup. We tried to go through this in the last episode and it was. You um, did really well. Thank you. I still got it wrong. It was quite crazy, but we basically needed results to go our way in order for this to happen. And they did. You know, Scotland missed a penalty, had it saved. There were so many things where I was kind of like, I think this is going to happen. Like, even though Scotland played better, I think this is going to happen. And Ireland, they had a game plan. They stuck to it. Um, there was a lot of heart and mouth moments at the end uh, as Scotland kind of piled on the pressure. But Katie McCabe said, you know, we could have done that in our sleep. We were totally chilled. <laughs> we were totally relaxed. Really? Could have, could have done that till the cows came home. And I was like, Jesus Christ. It like, looked like a lot of emergency defending to me. It Kate. was. But apparently they're all right with that. They're totally used to doing uh, emergency <laughs> defending. But irrelevant into the first ever major tournament um and a world cup at that so it will make my job next summer maybe a little bit more difficult but i don't mind um
2: i'm absolutely yeah buzzing that sounds like a really good troublesome issue is. to have to yeah. be honest i'm um, not complaining i mean i was watching the game we were kind of messing a little bit in between you doing all that the fantastic photography and stuff that you were doing and yeah i thought i mean the game i thought it was going to be scotland's i thought as soon as they got that penalty caroline was she's not going to miss this caroline's going to bet it they're going to get goal after goal it's going to be Tatar island you, you tried your best better luck next time but yeah i thought you know that was such a lucky moment and like brosnan i thought it was a fairly comfortable save not too much in it caroline obviously kind of um soft pen wasn't it very soft pen yeah and then also throughout the entire sort of um the, the the 90 minutes i felt like scotland had so much more possession so much better um organized but then the defensive organization of ireland was was second to none i felt that the you know the back five they had kind of compressed everything into the middle and that seemed to be where they sort of felt most comfortable but <laughs> They also had like Megan Campbell and her insane throws had the ball in the
3: back of the net in the first half, but Mad. nobody managed to get a touch in it. And then right before half time, the ball was cleared off the line three times by Scotland. So for me, while Ireland didn't have as much possession, they were more efficient with the chances they had because yeah. they had more shots on target to kind of chances versus Scotland. So that's what kind of Vera Powell touched on as well is, is and that's what um, Scotland as well touched on was that, you know, it's about what chances you put away. And despite all the chances Scotland had,
2: they weren't getting loads of them on target. So, you well, know, we'll take it. It's Ireland's year. Um, Let's see how they fare at the World Cup. Obviously, we'll probably be covering that as well because we cover all the important games here on Upfront. Um, and that would be probably the most important. We might even be out there. <laughs> we'll speak to producer Charlie and see if we can get some first class tickets out to Australia and New Zealand. Hint, hint, Char. Um, right. So we've been back into the WSL this week and what a week it has been. I mean, Lots of big games, lots of big results, lots of drama, a bit of uh, sort of WWE, w, w, WSL going on in some of the games here. Um, but we'll start with sort of Man United Brighton. I mean, and we'll start with that because obviously I made some big predictions about Man United and they seem to be coming through because Man United are sitting top of the table. And I know it's very early days. I know that. Okay, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and start. Sounds thinking. like you
3: are getting ahead of yourself. It
2: does sound a little bit like that. I'm yeah. a little bit excited. You're absolutely tooting your own horn, right? there 100% and also because Toon was involved in that and she's also going to be top goal scorer but I mean Man United have faced Reading West Ham and now Brighton um what I would say I suppose it's a very middle ground start to the campaign they haven't faced the big competitors yet so we were kind of expecting that they probably would pick up points in games like this but I thought a very confident very stylish performance against Brighton probably could have probably scored some more goals in the second half I think they took their foot off the gas a little bit but um Yeah, it was a a great game to watch. Alex, did you manage to catch it? Uh,
4: No, actually, but I did watch bits and bobs, uh, obviously on top of the highlights, but I think Man United are a very underrated team overall. Um, You look at the players that they have, and they have, you know, they don't have, it's really complicated to explain because they don't have, you know, the top of the top elite player names. But obviously they still have Ella Tuna, Russo. Mary Earps, who are coming off, you know, some of the best football they've played in their entire career in the Euros. Um, But then you have, you know, Ona who's actually playing amazing. Maela Tessier, who I think has been really, really impressive for United as well. Um, Katie Zellem, you know, Lucia Garcia. um, They have names that go on forever. And even on their bench, you know, Adria Leon, she's... You know she's never been within the top players of the world, but she's been consistently playing for you know really good teams and on Team Canada she's been, you know she's a starter for there. So I think Man United have been kind of overlooked because of that. Um, but you look at their team and they're just a very consistent strong team throughout the entire board. Um, and obviously with Elotun and and once Alessia Russo come back, I think that's going to make a big big difference. But I think they have a team to, to push forward more than they did last season.
3: I think what will help them are the fixtures that they have in the opening kind of five, six games. Mm. Um, Yes, those teams have been lower down the table, but what it allows Man United to do is to build some consistency. And I think that's maybe what they've lacked in previous seasons is it, it might've been a little bit up and down. And, and I think it's good for them to get these wins and these strong performances under their belt. I think they have new players who've come in this season, but I think they're, they're slotting together really nicely. Yeah, We're starting to see... Skinner's kind of style of play they love to have possession they love to control the game build from the back um, and it's just about I think being consistent throughout the 90 minutes we've talked about it before where they often take their foot off the gas in the second half um, I think we saw that a little bit against Brighton as you said probably should have scored more goals and I think that's Mark Skinner said it himself like he's he's not getting ahead of himself you know he still thinks there's a few more things that they need to do to to be kind of title winners and I think one of those is is being consistent throughout the 90 because better teams won't allow you to take your foot off the gas in the second half and they need to be keeping on it, keeping their foot on the gas all the way through the 90. Um, and I think that's something he'll be looking at. But if I was a United fan, I'd be pretty happy right now because they're building that confidence. They're building a rhythm um, and consistency. And I think that will really stand to them when they do come up against Chelsea and Arsenal and, and Man City.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think... In a game like that, they can afford to take the foot off the gas because you've already scored so many in the first half. So you've already set yourself up for a fairly good, strong second half anyway, even if you can. But, but like you said, that is not going to go unpunished with, with bigger names. And I think that in a way, they've been very lucky with how the results of, uh, with how the fixtures have gone for the start of the season. Like Their next game, uh, they're facing Leicester, probably another opportunity to pick up points, really, unless there's a big upset there. And then uh, Durham in the County Cup, which is going to be uh, probably another chance again to pick up those points. And then Everton at the end of the month. So it kind of feels like they could potentially, um, you know, sit themselves. Yep, there's still a long way to go for the title, but definitely a very good start to a campaign to be getting that Champions League spot. Um, November is obviously going to be the big month for them facing Chelsea and Arsenal back to back and I think that's going to be the first opportunity that we'll see to you know really see where they are against the kind of top dogs Um, yeah I think winning is a habit and I think playing ruthlessly is a habit and that's
3: something they need to be doing in these games for me um, in order to really really because they always challenge Chelsea and Arsenal. <laughs> they're, they're a bloody difficult team to play. um. And I think just getting that those kind of habits uh, in their back pocket and up until they come to these games, I think will really stand to them. So that's the area that I I want to see United improve on. Now, they did score against, I think it was West Ham in the second half, but I want to see them playing like that, like they can, mm-hmm. through the 90, and and they'll be real contenders. Yeah, and I think
2: defensively, they also look incredibly strong. And Mary Ups, again, putting off an absolute cracker of a long distance strike from uh, Elizabeth Turland uh, which I thought was unreal so she's been obviously going from strength to strength before the Euros but also absolutely in the Euros and now she seems to be um, I don't know I think she just feels everyone in front of her with a lot of confidence she's strong she's been really consistent no big errors so far so I think she's also going to be one to watch I'm just putting my flagpole in the sand for sure. that one obviously <laughs> Uh, the next big game uh, we've got to touch on Everton v Chelsea um, just a bit of a shout out I suppose first off Emma Hayes uh, out for the foreseeable future with an emergency hysterectomy um, thought it was a really nice touch from the the men's and the women's teams player uh, players coming out and doing the warm up uh, wearing the sort of training gear saying get well soon Emma um I don't think it's really clear yet when she's going to be back uh, in the fold but we've got uh Denise ready oh, I didn't really know too much about because Emma takes the kind of crown doesn't she of Chelsea you don't really know much about the back the backroom staff the assistant staff um but yeah she's stepping in as manager for now uh previously with the NWSL Chicago Red Stars for 2 years and then assistant coach for the USA under 20s women's national team so Um, Obviously, the first game underneath her. um, But yeah, what what do you guys guys think?
4: It's going to be really interesting. I think Chelsea have been struggling a little bit to get that consistency under under their belt in terms of performance, in terms of formation, in terms of lineups. I don't think they've gotten that consistency just yet. So it is a bit of, I wouldn't say a concern because I think the technical staff, I think under Emma Hayes, I'm assuming Emma Hayes will have her staff, you know, In line with what she wants to do how she sees and the staff kind of like take that on board um so i am very curious to see how chelsea keep progressing because they're coming up against the champions league which is going to be quite interesting to see but i think they need to figure out what their best formation is Um, and i think you're seeing kind of that affecting players just a little bit you know kadisha buchanan amazing player, hasn't really found her feet in the WSL and with Chelsea yet. And I don't know if that's just because it's out of her comfort zone, whether she's just going through a rough patch or that has to do with the fact that Chelsea haven't really figured out um, how to use their back line. And then you start going forward and you see different names, different things. You know, Sam Kerr playing with Lauren James now, for example, that's a brand new partnership that hasn't really been explored as much yet. Yeah. Um, and you see kind of this inconsistent play with Chelsea and they haven't really found their form. And it's a bit of a shame because they have, you know, Chelsea have an amazing squad. Um, but in terms of Emma Hayes, I am kind of curious to see how, how they do without her, considering that they're in that transition period of, of kind of really finding themselves again.
3: I think given the firepower Chelsea have, one of the areas of maybe slight concern is their shots to shots on target ratio. Is often they seem to always have quite a lot of shots, but not many on target. So they had 22 shots against Everton, but only eight of them were on target. So mm. that's probably an area that they'll obviously be looking to improve on. Um, I think for me, so Pernilla Harder was back. She scored two goals. First game um, for Chelsea this season because she's she's been out injured. And I think maybe you could tell that it was her first game back of the season. Um, it's not like she wants to prove a point there or anything. But no, but I felt like, she was she was a little bit rusty, actually. And um, I I don't think she played all the games with Denmark on the international break. I think she only played a bit of one. So for her to be rusty, miss a few chances that she would normally put away and still score two goals, should be worrying for other teams. I think having a rusty Penella Harder scoring a brace um, says a lot. And I think she may have been the link, potentially, that's been missing for Chelsea to try and link all of this back line and front line together. Because there's been a bit of, for me, a number of different players in, in midfield. Um, and I think she does so much off the ball and in the lead up to goals that it's often missed because she's not necessarily always assisting or scoring herself. So I think it's great for them to have her back and for her to get a brace when she's feeling a bit rusty, because I think that will be a big confidence boost for her going into um, PSG this week. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think it's just taken them a little while to settle and to find their feet. So, um, yeah, I think it's good for them to get that win, but it it was close. It was, you know, it was 2-1 up until the 90 plus minute when Neve Charles got the third. So, um, yeah, I think we'll see how they fare against PSG. It'll be a tough one.
2: And what do we think about that kind of controversial penalty call? Any views on that at all? Cuz like for me, I watched it back over and I didn't think Brosnan made any contact on on the player. And I just, for me, I don't think that's a, I think that should have been looked at again. I, I think that completely changed the face of the game. Uh, on my,
3: on initial viewing, I thought it was a pen. Um, but I think, I also think Girl Wrighton went into that knowing that she'd kind of maybe lost her chance on goal. 100%. But, but could get a pen. And I think Brosnan kind of fell for it. Jeez,
2: yeah.
4: I mean, which is like, it's a, it's a bit of shame because obviously we don't have VAR. So if that's our view at first sight, you're assuming that the ref's saw the same thing yeah. and they can't really back out of
2: that. I just feel really aggrieved about that as a goalkeeper, personally. Yeah. Next <laughs> goalkeeper, and it wasn't a goal. Um, but no, I thought Charles's goal was absolutely incredible. You know, lofty ball over the top uh, and it wasn't, you know, she had to take on three defenders and she did that. So I'd be really embarrassed, actually. Uh, I think that was an embarrassing moment for Everton. But otherwise, I think they've had uh, sort of a really good run so far. I mean, we're never too sure. I feel like we go into the start of the season not really knowing how Everton are going to be. Are they going to impress? Are they going to deliver something this year? Are we going to big them up and it all falls to to shit um, but actually I think they've had a, a fairly good a fairly good run given well, the games they've had
3: yeah I mean they haven't got many points on the board but they definitely have they definitely have improved on last season um, at times they were floating around the relegation zone last season and I do think they'll fare better that they'll, they'll finish more comfortably mid-table um, I still think they just need more time to settle and allow Sorensen to kind of bring in his style of play but they, you can see it, like you could see it early on what he's trying to do. It's mm-hmm. just going to take a little while for the players to adapt to that and, and adapt to working with each other. But yeah, I think there, there's definite signs of improvement. So you think there's
2: going to be a sort of a consistent mid-table Everton this year? I think so. All right. Solid, trustworthy, dependable Everton in the mids. Okay. Yeah. All right, you called it. More hot takes here. More hot <laughs> takes here. Um, right, next game. Uh, we've got to touch on Man City Leicester. Um, massive congratulations to Man City (laughs) for getting those points. I mean, come on. First points of the season. uh, Difficult start for Taylor's side. I know we give him a lot of grief, but probably rightly so. Uh, It kind of echoes last season. Didn't have the best start. Um, You know, they hadn't won a game up until this point, until mid-August. They'd lost against Villa, lost against Chelsea. um, And this seemed to be their sort of comfortable moment obviously playing a team that is way down the, t- the, the the table um but I feel like this is them maybe starting to turn around their fortunes um yeah Alex did you catch this one at all
4: this one I didn't but I even without watching it I have so much to say
2: yeah you know
4: it's all about Garrett Taylor he's just I'm just looking at the lineup and Lai Alexandre is not a midfielder she is not a midfielder. Jorge Villa on the national team, has tried to in like input that for so so long, and it just has never worked. So the fact that Garrett Taylor kind of took that on, it just made me laugh really really a lot. <laughs> um, but we've you never saw... been fans
2: of Gareth Taylor in this podcast, so I'm glad oh, that no, you're continuing me this it's thing. It's fine.
4: It's, it's um, I can go on about Garrett Taylor for a long time, <laughs> but it's uh, but for once he you know when you see Layel like Alexander, Alex Greenwood as a centre back pairing, that could be so so good. That could be really, really good. And that's not even considering that you have Tunkara in that bench as well. Uh, so then, But where it goes wrong is the midfield. Gary Taylor just has no idea what to do in that midfield. And it's really, really confusing because you have... First of all, I don't understand Man City's recruitment strategy because you have all these mix of players that make no sense put together. And you can see Garrett Taylor struggling to put out his best eleven because he just has no idea what to do. Not only does not, he not You're not know holding what back to here, do. Alex.
2: I love this. <laughs> oh no,
4: I I, I I am holding back a lot. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, this is you holding back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is me wow. holding back.
2: We'll do like an no, upfront night special and that'll be like where you really pull out all go, guns blazing yeah. like, yeah.
4: I, I could do this forever, I promise. It's just it's just it's it's so confusing because Man City have such a good team. When you look at the front three, Chloe Kelly, Bunny Shaw, and Lauren Hemp, my word, that front trio is just like, ridiculous. Mm. It is really frightening. Yeah. But then you look at what Man City do, and it just, it does not live up to any potential, and then I just feel bad, but that's mostly down to Gary Taylor just unable, to, like being unable to organize this team in a manner that you can actually play to their to maximum potential and individual potential. Um, But it is... It is, you know, really good that they got a win because I do like a lot of the players that Man City have. Uh, you know, Lauren Hemp, Bonnie Shaw, Chloe Kelly. Amazing players that deserve a lot. Mary Fowler, I think, is, you know, one of the best young players that there is right now. Um, but it is it is just really interesting. Man City and Garrett Taylor is just, it's a very interesting prospect.
3: What we said when Kira Walsh left was to not try and fill the hole with other players. Not try and, mm. you know, replace Kira Walsh because you can't. Play no. with the players that you have to the best of, in the best positions that they play yeah. in rather than saying, How can we? It's almost like he's trying to money ball the situation, you know, like he's we can't yeah. replace her, but we can get in three other players that together make one Kira Walsh. And you're like, <laughs> Forget about Kira Walsh, Don't. she's gone, like, stop trying to replace Kira Walsh. Um, yeah. th- and I think we've we've touched on that in, in previous podcasts. I think. I thought they played pretty decent against Chelsea. And I said this in a previous episode. I thought they were decent, actually. Um, And I thought Bunny Shaw looked so dangerous. She really put that Chelsea defence under a lot of pressure. Um, But, you know, I thought this match would be an opportunity for them to maybe flex their muscles a little bit, show what they can do. Leicester didn't make it easy. You know, Man City had... 70% possession and only had the one goal until the 72nd minute after this there was obviously a crazy 10 minutes because they had a goal on 72nd a pen missed on the 78th a goal on the 79th and another on the 82nd so I think Leicester kind of maybe forgot how to football for 10 minutes but (laughs) they didn't make it easy for them um but you know I think it will do them the world of good in terms of confidence and I think they need that Man City
2: Yes, 100%. I think they've now set themselves a bit of a trap because that third Champions League spot now looks a little bit in the balance uh, if they don't start picking up their results You said again. that last season. I, I did say that last season. We both did and they still got it. They just got it. It was a just, all right? You're not, uh, you're not guaranteed to just take that because you're Man City, okay? Absolutely not, but I just wouldn't write them off just yet is what I'm saying. No, it's early days. I'll yeah. give you that. All right, fine. Thanks for reigning me in. I appreciate no, that. That's all right. That's Thank what you. I'm here for, man. Cool. Um, I mean, Leicester, also a massive worry, looked to be sort of heading down the same path again uh, as last season, yet to pick up points after defeats to Everton, Tottenham and Aston Villa, only taken one point now from 11 WSL games, obviously narrowly avoided relegation last season. Do we think this is a kind of sign that we're heading down the same path again for, for Leicester?
4: Yeah, it's a bit of a shame about Leicester because they had they came up to the WSL with a lot of um, potential. I think they started the season last that season with kind of that momentum that was fine, but they've kind of disappointed everyone that had high expectations of them, and I think rightfully so that we had high expectations of them considering how much backing the club had put into the women's team and and kind of the the group feeling that the team had. You expected them to get a bit further, but. I don't think they've changed enough from last season to be able to get out of that same position that they were in. And I think this season they might struggle a bit and this season I think is a bit more when you look at the top 4 or 5, it's a bit more even. You know, Arsenal, Chelsea aren't the same that they were last season. They've been struggling a bit to get that consistent that consistency to be able to be, you know, to have that gap. Uh, Man City have you know, Gary Taylor managed to get 4-0 win, so who knows how that's gonna go. Um, but then you have Man United playing into that factor, and then you have the bottom kind of part of the table that it's it's open for anyone. So if Leicester City don't kind of start getting their their shit together, basically, and start getting points where they need, they could easily fall back into that relegation spot, doing more than they had, than they did last season. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I think it does. I. I still think they could nick points off teams um, around them. Maybe like, maybe your Brightons, um, maybe your Reddings, depending on how they play. Because, you know, they did make it difficult for Man City in the first half. Um, They made it difficult when they played Spurs. That was not an easy win for Spurs. Um, And it's one thing to have to defend resolutely for 90 minutes, which is generally what Leicester have to do. Um, But they need to be creating chances at the other end of the pitch and they're not doing that. They had no shots on target against Man City. So, that's a big area of, of of
2: contention, I guess, or an issue for Leicester is creating those chances. I think it's that. I think this could be the season that we see them go back into the championship, if I'm honest. So I think you nailed it there because I, I do think the the, the sort of set up, the infrastructure behind the scenes, all the coaching staff, the kind of, um, I don't know the resources that they have seem to be great, but they don't seem to recruit very well. And I think in this league now, the recruitment is so elite, so top level, so stellar that I just don't think they're um, they're able to compete on on a basis. I mean, not having a single shot, a single chance against, yes, a, a top side, but still not a single chance in ninety minutes is is not good enough for this league. Um, yeah, that's my my thoughts on that. Sorry, Leicester, and I do like I do like Leicester as a team. They're a um, good outfit. Um, all right, finally, so we're going to touch on Aston Villa, at West Ham. West Ham walk away with the points. Pretty even battle, I'd say. Two uh, one, West Ham it was um it was controversial uh not only because of the the score lines and the the points and it was it was more controversial because we seemed to end up in a full on out and out smashing battle between mailing and Sissoko at the end, which has obviously drawn quite a lot of attention um I mean, my take on this, and I've kind of watched it a few times because um, obviously the big headlines are Sissoko assaults a player on the pitch, is red card is or like take, well, like decks, well, tries to deck Malin, basically. Fine. Okay, sorry. I thought someone would actually use the word assault. Uh, no, that's a bit of a Sun headline, isn't it? <laughs> I'll take that back. Sorry about that. That's so dramatic for me. Um, <laughs> but I kind of watched the incident and I, I, you know, when you look at how the progression of that is mailing who commits the foul. She's pulling sissoko back quite aggressively that's a foul i think that's probably a yellow card foul anyway and then mailing kind of lashes out a little bit but i um, sorry sissoko lashes out a little bit and then mailing then comes towards her again sissoko's like back the hell away and lashes out again mailing comes towards her again and then sissoko lays the big one on her chin so in my opinion i think that's a red card for both i think they're both behaving in a way that's obviously not appropriate i don't think it should have just been sissoko with the red on that but Rach, you said you felt differently
3: yeah, I thought um, I thought the ref got it right and maybe that's controversial. I don't know because there's been a lot of opinion over this particular incident for some reason. Um, I just thought it was a, a yellow for mailing. We've had a number of instances where I've seen players physically like shove other players kind of away from the ball. It happened. Bethme did it against Barcelona. She was getting nudged and nudged and nudged by one of the players and she turned around and just shoved her in the chest with two hands and she got a yellow card similarly with that uh, spat between um, Mava Klemmeron and Ashley Neville and Katie McCabe at the Northern <laughs> Derby similar situation pushing and shoving, and argy bargy fun. they both got yellow cards so for me Mailing was a yellow card um, and you say that she was the aggressor but you also touched on the fact that Sissoko while she was backing off was swinging her hand so Meiling's kind of reacting to that too um, I don't think you should get a yellow card for you know being angry and walking towards someone um, so for me yeah, you know, yellow was right for her reaction, mm-hmm. and for me, and uh, Sosoka was red for she swung out three times and, and properly connected with the last one. So, look, it happens, right? The red mist comes down. We are humans after all, and you 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 end up kind of forgetting <laughs> what you're doing in the situation, and you you react to what's going on in front of you. So. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that the incident became so contentious because I thought the ref got it right. But I think maybe what continued to draw the attention to it was the fact that then there was a whole kerfuffle on the sideline as well, mm, yeah. which didn't help. And what also didn't help is we didn't seem to have enough camera angles to actually allow people watching on the FA player to see that. So yeah. we were getting it from, well, uh, yeah, we were getting it from reporters in the ground that this was happening um, and none of us could really see it. So I think maybe that's what kind of blew it up, but... I also think it's gotten way more attention than maybe it needs to because for me, it was a yellow and a, and a red and it's kind of All right. done and dusted. Alex,
2: what are your thoughts? Are you, are you a red, red or a red, yellow? Where are you <laughs> sitting on this? No sitting on the fence either. Uh, it, it depends. She can sit on the fence if she wants to. No, absolutely uh, not. Not not today.
4: Not red, red or red, yellow. <laughs> um, it's a hard one because I think for me, it's whether you put Meiling and Sissoko on the same level. I think Mailing could have easily got in a red, especially if we're counting that foul before as a yellow. She yeah, could've easily yeah. gotten a double yellow for the same in the same moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. I agreed. think I think if, if a second yellow would have happened, I think that would have been fine. I don't know if a red red would have been fair, but I think it would have been fine either way. I'm not really giving a solid answer. But I think I think I think two double yellows for mailing and a red for Sissoko, I think that would have been Fair. I, I
3: think, think if that we had VAR,
2: be that's potentially what would have happened. Mm. Yeah, we'll take this to a vote on the upfront feed. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we, we need some people who are going to define this either way because this is just not good enough, guys. <laughs> but I also didn't think it was that massive a thing for it to become
3: such a thing. And also, I, I think it's just part of the s- match, isn't it? S- I think Sosoko's got some abuse online. Which calm the fuck down, guys. It's absolutely ridiculous. This kind of stuff does happen. Thankfully, it doesn't happen too often. But I think she's received some abuse online. I think some of it's been racist as well which just blows your fucking mind. Jesus Christ, like it's football. This shit happens. She's gotten a red card. She's got to take her punishment. Like get over it. Get get over it, man. Go on. Yeah. yeah, love that.
4: Not to compare either, but it happens in the men's game a lot and just people just move on.
3: Yeah.
2: Like, it's just, it just it happens just every bloody on. week. It's a weekly thing. I just thing. think
3: it was that bench then because then we had Paul Konchesky and assistant manager red carded as well and they got sent off and I and maybe that just made it kind of a bigger thing than it actually was. Um, What's the WSL without a
2: bit of spice?
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Right next up, I mean, we've got to talk about the big news. Fresh, hot off the press from last night. Uh, Puteus. Uh, wins it again. Wins Balondor. the old Ballon d'Or. Uh, becomes the first female player to win the Ballon d'Or two years in a row. Uh, Patea's obviously being very, very lovely about it. Certainly Ward couldn't have been possible without her lovely teammates, thanking the staff and coaches at Barcelona, not the Spanish national team. <laughs> um, obviously, she's at the moment, you know, come sort well sorting out, rehabbing, uh, suffered a long term injury at the start of the Euros, um, but has had an incredible season uh, with Barcelona, making them you know, a massive part of the fact that they've won this historic title last season. Won all 30 matches. I mean, Alex, I've heard that you're a bit of a, uh, a Puteas fan. I've just heard off the grapevine, not not biased in any way at all, but uh, heard that you're Bezzer's. It's
4: the first time I hear her name last night. Really? It's, it's <laughs> the first time. One to I've, watch. Yeah, one yeah, to watch. You know, she's going to be big. Just Remember this name, <laughs> Remember her name. You she's going to be first. big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, look, I think... For me, putting I, I honestly putting everything aside, I think Alexia Putellas deserved to win because of the season she had, and you know that's we're not counting the Euros because she got injured the night before, which is very unfortunate. But you look strictly at the season that she's had, invincible season of the league, triple at home. She came out. Uh, set, depends how you see it, because obviously joint top goal scorer of the league. Uh, as Seattle gaze it, and right under that, I think it was four-goal difference, was Alexia Poteyas. So she came out if you want to count it, second top goal scorer in the league, top assister in the league as a midfielder on top of that. Joint top goal scorer in the Champions League, obviously got to the final, gave Barcelona a big moment in the final as well. I think that was also back to that debate that we were having before of player of the match giving that big moment over 90. Alexia gave that to Barcelona in a really bad match in the final, but she just shows up in those big moments and that's not even looking at you know how she actually plays football because she's an, an outstanding player. She's you know she's smart, she's intelligent she, she gives Barcelona that stability in the midfield, that stability overall. Um, and again, that's not even talking about her numbers and trophies. So I think overall I think she outrightly deserved that considering the season that she and Barcelona had. Last season and how important she was to that Barcelona season, um, but that's just that's just my opinion. So,
2: I mean, that's a incredible way to set out your case uh, for Pateus. Uh, I'm almost thinking that you might have been on the panel uh, for that <laughs> Ballon d'Or decision. If I'm honest, it was made up of journalists and we don't really know who they are. So, if you want to come out and come clean now, Alex, and let us know that that was your vote, we would be I actually be voted those
4: fifty times. It was me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, Rach, I know you feel a your little honour. bit differently. Yes, I yeah, um, present if, my case. If you'd like to set out your case, I'd love to
3: hear it. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, firstly, I'd like to start by saying I think any of those top three could have Objection. won. Objection. If, if, if not, more. <laughs> nice. <it>. Um, Overruled. <laughs> thank you. Um, I just, in terms of the quality in Europe is growing, which is incredible. Like, because we've had times before where we're like, how, the, how did that person? Anyway, moving on. Who are you referring to there, Rach? Well, I, I thought it was unusual. Megan Rapinoe won it. <laughs>
4: Yeah, but we'll think it.
3: We'll think it. I am still on the Beth Mead train. Um, I think 14 goals uh, and 19 assists uh, in 40 games and breaking the all-time assist record in the WSL, having probably the season of her domestic career um, or or her career domestically, I should say, and then going on to win the Euros and dominate in terms of individual awards there, winning the Golden Boot and Player of the Tournament, scored 20 goals and assisted 17 in 19 games for England, which is just... Insane. Other than winning perhaps the WSL, which they lost by a point on the last day, I'm not sure what more Beth Mead could have done um, to win it because she was excellent both domestically and internationally. And I do think we should give more weight to international tournaments when there are major tournaments in that particular year. I think that's only fair because it's showing consistency across not just your domestic team, but also your 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 international team, international um, competitions as well. So that, for me... I just think there wasn't really much more she could have done. I think maybe if, if Arsenal had won the WSL, if there was only a point between it, which is mad between Pateas and Beth Mead, maybe that would have pipped it. But, you know, I think oftentimes people say, you, hear you saying, I think X should have won means you don't think the other person who won it was good enough. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that. I think Pateas is, is an unbelievable player, the likes of which we've not seen before. And, and is absolutely good enough to win it too. So I'm just glad that we're, it, it all comes down to fine margins. And I'm glad we're at a point now with the Ballon d'Or and with these awards that you're getting the right players in the in the right, you know, the top tens and the top fives and the top threes. Like the best players are there and it's showing that people actually are starting to, sometimes you wonder if the ones voting really know what they're talking about. So at the end of the day, I've no major issues with Pateus winning it. It's not a controversial decision. It, it absolutely makes sense. But I think, beth Mead had the the year of of her life in in terms of her career, so
2: well, I mean, without sitting on the fence because that 's not what we do here alex um i mean i've i 've got a rule in rachel 's favor if <gasps> i'm an man yeah yeah, yeah, yeah really? on, this is why you should come be in on. the studio because then we could actually high five <laughs> but we wouldn 't be high <laughs> you because you got this decision completely wrong <laughs> oh, no that 's a, a complete joke obviously it 's not she's she 's been incredible um but no, i think i 've got to agree with you i think um what more does Beth Mead need to do to win that thing? Like, sell along. Um I think she's done. <laughs> go further in the Champions League and have, or or yeah. won a title. I do, I do agree with that
4: though. That is, it is unfortunate that Beth Mead has had the season of her life and she still has to miss out on it. And like, I'm not saying that. I still do think that, Alexia said, does deserve it. But it is unfortunate. And I think it's it's with these awards, like you see Lewandowski, who's still waiting for his to come yeah. after that one season. You're you're still waiting for you know, certain men's players to be recognized to a certain, you know, Jude Bellingham, for example, yesterday missed out on the young young players, on the Golden Boy, Um, you know, Gavi, yes, grand, but in these awards in particular, that second and third place can easily win it, and they Mm -hmm. probably do deserve to win it, but they're always going to miss out to that number one, so it's It's just, it's that ongoing disappointment of... Yeah, second place essentially you can
3: be amazing individually but if your team aren't equally amazing do you know what I mean and you're not then winning those those awards that can that can kind of maybe lose yeah. your points and too, I think right? that's where Must Arsenal be. kind of
4: let down Beth Mead in that sense because yeah. you know you lose the FA Cup you know no domestic trophies at all last season Yeah, it was a bit unfortunate because I think that that could have you know put that under Beth Mead's belt and given her that little boost but it is unfortunate that that is what Alexia has with Barcelona. They she had the domestic triple, and that's that has a big weight onto it outside mm-hmm. of you know individual performances. So I think Arsenal did let down Beth Mead a little bit there. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those that yeah, as you said, Rachel, that it's it's gotten to the point where it's a healthy competition. It's a disappointment. You know, it is a disappointing competition that the fact that there's so many good players, but there's only one best.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and what's good is we're not sitting here going. I think Beth Mead should have won it. How the hell did Pateas win it? Yeah. It's, it's not that at
1: all.
2: It's like, I think Beth Mead should have won it, but I totally get why Pateas did. That's a silver lining. I don't yeah. think she's going to walk away from that feeling really aggrieved by no. that result because also being the runner-up to a Ballon d'Or is absolutely bloody incredible in itself. Or as Getty called her, Vivian Miedema's guest. Yeah. that it's a
3: Second plus place one.
2: Ballon d'Or and she was a plus one <laughs> on Getty's images. That was brilliant. Well done, Getty. Nailed it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like you said, uh, Alex, you know, this could be where, um, you know, Arsenal start to pick up and sort of, you know, help and assist Beth Mead in getting the final (laughs) Ballon d'Or plays next year by potentially winning the Champions League. How about that? Because apparently that's around the corner. Um, So tough friendships to start for the WSL teams. You've got Arsenal versus Lyon tomorrow, Chelsea versus uh, PSG on Thursday. Um, What do we think here? Do we think that actually this year, Arsenal-Chelsea recruited really well, I haven't had the best in sort of progressing through the Champions League. There seems to be a bit of a curse on, on, on English teams doing okay in this competition. What do we think they need to do? And do we think Arsenal and Chelsea have a good chance this year with the recruitment and the kind of um, successes so far they've had in the in the WSL?
3: No, I don't... Oh, all right, straight in. No, I don't necessarily think they've massively, especially the way they're currently playing, I don't think they've massively improved on last season. Um, and I think the competition's only gotten better again in Europe. So it's going to be tough for them. They've both got really tough groups and previously, maybe when we initially had the group stages, you might think, right, there's one really tough team, but I can get points off the rest. And I don't really feel like that's necessarily the case now. I think they, it's, it's going to be tough and we want it to be tough, right? It's the Champions League. It's meant to be the best of the best. Um, But I think at the moment, Arsenal and Chelsea are maybe having a bit of a, a tough spell. Like I know Arsenal are unbeaten in the WSL, but they have some injuries um, they had to really grind out a result against Ajax to get into this group stages. Um, and as we've touched on, I feel like Chelsea are still kind of finding their feet. Um, to be coming up against Leon and PSG, they would need to be firing on all cylinders for me to feel like they'll, they'll get a result. And listen, I could be proven wrong. I often am. Um, but it's going to be tough. I know Leon have quite an extensive injury list at the moment. Um, Cascarino, Moroni... Um, Debric, Marzan, Hegerberg—I think—is injured as well. Yeah, there's there's quite a few um injuries, and and I don't know. Maybe that could work in Arsenal's favor, but they're also missing Rafael Souza, Leah Williamson, and key central defenders. Um, and we saw Steph Catley play there against Reading. Arsenal weren't weren't brilliant in that game. They were they felt a little bit out of sorts. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, but also. I don't think they necessarily would have looked at those groups and said they're the matches we're going to get points out of either. So,
2: Alex, what do you think? I think this is the year? It's <laughs> Arsenal winning in the Champions League, let's go. Uh, yeah, not to, uh, not to call it too early or anything, but without <laughs> playing a single game. But um, yeah, yeah, what would you think?
4: Uh, it's, it's a tough one. Going off, going off that last point that Rachel said there, I think the group stage is quite interesting because you can, if you look at last season arsenal uh, arsenal lost against barcelona both times lost against hoffenheim they lost three matches and still made it out of the group and you see chelsea who lost i think i'm pretty sure it was just one match and they didn't make it out of the group so it's like the group stage is one of those where you can't really know what happens because you can drop a lot of points and still make it out of the group if that makes sense so it's it's quite hard to predict who's going to get out of the group, especially, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal. Chelsea, I think, have the tougher group. Um, There's been a lot of hot takes that Chelsea won't make it out, which I think is really funny. It's, you know, and it's possible. I think, I think a lot of people do underestimate Real Madrid. Real Madrid's team is scary. When you just, we're obviously very familiar with Caroline Weir. She is having the time of her life in Real Hmm. Madrid. She is playing the football of her life, and that itself is scary. And then you look at the team that Real Madrid have around them. You have Atenea Del Castillo, who's easily one of the most talented young players that there is right now. Behind her, you have Olga Carmona, who had an amazing game against England in the Euros. I think her Euros was was really, really good, and her confidence levels are really high right now. Um, And then you have the rest of the midfield, then you have, you know... Feller coming off the bench I think is just ridiculous because she's outstanding player and she is stupidly fast. So if you have a player like that coming off the bench, you know, if you're going up against a Millie Bright, maybe can be outpaced by a, a really, really pacey player, you know, Jess Carter, we've seen all these players being outpaced by really strong wingers. So you look at certain things that can be exploited and you look at the non consistency that Chelsea have had. I think it could be possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think Chelsea's group is really, really hard and Chelsea have the possibility of not making out again. Arsenal, I think, will get through because I think they still have that superiority over Juventus that they can get it across the line. I'm not saying it's going to be easy because I think my prediction, if you guys want to hear it, is that Arsenal yes. is going to lose to Juventus once okay. and win the second time. But make it out of the group if that makes sense.
3: I think as well with Juventus they've got that connection with Montemuro. Lena Hertig has obviously just come from there, so yeah. it feels like there's an added level of spice in that game too. All yeah, right. definitely.
4: But we're All definitely right. going to lose against Leon. That's...
2: <laughs> wow. <Okay>. I think <laughs> no, no.
4: no. I think no. I think despite the injuries, Leon, where Arsenal struggle with the most, I think right now is the midfield. And yeah. despite injuries, Leon's midfield is the strongest. So where Leon's strength. Remains despite injuries is where Arsenal's weakness is, so I think that's where Leon there could be potentially. I mean, DVD scoring is just written in the narrative already. That's going <laughs> to happen Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, I think Leon's strengths can exploit Arsenal a little bit. But I am also really excited to see Viv and Blackstenius go up against a very watered down uh, Leon defensive line. Thing is, you need
3: to be at your best playing Champions League and it is not ever going to be... It's never going to get easier. Mm-hmm. From now on, I think the Champions League is only going to get more difficult because teams are just getting better and better and it's it's come at almost like a maybe a tricky time for, for Chelsea and Arsenal in the season. They've only got three games under their belt um, and they've got some injuries in the squad um, and a lack of consistency, as you said, Alex. So, yeah, I, whether it's a good... I can't decide. I, think, I feel like maybe it's a good thing that they're getting the hardest game out of the way first, mm-hmm. maybe. Just to kind of get it done and dusted and, and, you know, play the hardest game, maybe when they're at their weakest, which isn't the worst thing in the world. You wouldn't want to be playing the games you're expecting to maybe get points in when you're feeling a little bit vulnerable.
2: So not to put the flagpoles in the sand again, but do we think the WSL clubs are expecting to compete for the trophy this year? We think we're going to make them out. Of, we, we think Arsenal and Chelsea are going to just about make it out of group stages. But do we think they're going to progress? Because that is that's something we've not really done. <laughs> not uh, I just don't feel like we're there yet but I also
3: think that's okay because the teams that are regularly getting, going far in the Champions League are in the Champions League every season. And you almost take for granted what that does for you in terms of playing top quality teams more regularly. You know, obviously we often have, it's generally Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City that are one of the top three. And we've only had that third spot for a couple of years now, but I, over the last kind of five, six years, each of those teams have missed out on the Champions League once or twice. Mm-hmm. And that does actually impact you. That consistency impacts you. That opportunity to be playing these top teams, for, to give your squad the experience of playing top teams and playing abroad in Europe is really, really valuable. And I, I think we're maybe a few more seasons away from, from an English team maybe winning it. Because at the moment, I also, I also feel like, say with your Chelsea's, they're, they are desperate to win the Champions League. But it's not going to happen overnight Mm -hmm. and it's going to take a couple of seasons and it feels like every season something else changes in order to try and go further in the Champions League and it's it's hard to bed something like that in so quickly like we're already here playing PSG and it's you know you've only had three games under your belt it's only October it's very hard to bring in a Champions League winner which they tried to do with uh, someone to win the Champions League for you I should say which they did with Pernilla Harder I know she hasn't won it she's like One of the best players to never won the Champions League, which is ridiculous. But, you know, and they they got to the final when they brought her in. But it's that kind of almost desperation to go far in the competition and it's not going to get easier. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a a period of being used to, and the group stages are relatively new. It's going to take a period of getting used to these group stages. I think they're going to do wonders for the English teams that get in them because they're being exposed to such good football. Um, But it's just, I think, going to take a little bit more time.
2: Okay. All right, I like that. I think that's um, yeah, I agree with that logic. Thank you. Yeah, we don't often agree, but uh, we regularly agree, Chloe. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you've made some really valid points that I will take on board and take away with me. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I, 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 as well with Chelsea. I think especially, I think I'm not too sure how the kind of absence of Emma Hayes is going to affect things. I don't know whether that's going to be kind of like a rallying thing that like they they're going to want to really do it this season put everything in it to, to, to be with Emma and to kind of like get that for her or whether actually it's gonna be something that they that is a weakness for them. She's still very much involved, I've heard, on the phone, from the couch. Watching She's everything. In the feeds. ear at
3: training, yes. in the ear at matches. <laughs> so she no, literally she is still kind of involved. Back. Yeah. No, exactly. That woman is a very, very hard worker.
2: Well, we will cover the Champions League games uh, results. Uh, it's obviously all kicking off on Wednesday and Thursday this week. We've got Zurich uh, v Juventus, Bayern v uh, Rosengard, Barcelona v, Ven- v. Benfica, uh, Leon v Arsenal, Velaznia v Real Madrid, and Wolfsburg v St. Polton. So we will cover those obviously because they're really important games. Um, but yeah, guys, I mean, we've pretty much done a massive run through of a massive week. That was beefy. Um, at this point, I'm expecting that you're just going to say your weekend's going to be chilling out and relaxing, no. but there's uh, there's a lot to do. Um, Alex, where are you going to be this weekend?
4: Uh, off to Lyon tomorrow for, for Lyon Arsenal. Um, nice. And then train to Paris for PSG Chelsea. So that's going to be my week. Weekend's actually going to be relaxing. Oh. Um, well, my fans visiting, so you can, I guess, as relaxing as you can. And then Sunday, <laughs> I get to play football. So that's oh nice. That's that's my moment of relaxation, if we win. Um. Yeah, Champions League How's your season, season
2: going so far? Just out of curiosity.
4: Um, well, when I'm there, last time I was there, we won. So let's just leave it Oh, at that. I see. <laughs> right. Right yeah, there. yeah, of course. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 100% uh, success record when Alex is on the pitch. Um, you heard it here. Yeah. Rach, what are
3: you up to? Uh, so I will be following in Alex's footsteps. I will be doing Lyon and then a train up to Paris for PSG Chelsea. And then Aston Villa Everton on Saturday and Leicester Man United on Sunday. That'll be a good game. Yeah. That'll be a very good game.
2: Uh, don't know what Leicester are going to bring. And also Man United on such a strong form. I think another 4-0 for Man United, personally. Do you reckon? They're loving the 4-0s at the moment, yeah. Well, it all works in my favour because I've called it. Uh Have I Because you? you didn't mention did that I not three mention times that? already. Did yeah. I not That's that? Was like half the pod. Um... I will be over in Bristol. Uh, we take on uh, Bristol City. Weirdly enough, in Do you Bristol. Have, um, PTSD after that county cup match. I don't remember it because I don't focus on the negatives. Actually, it's just the mentality that I have. Thanks, Rach. Um, so yeah, that's where I'll be this weekend. Uh, and then obviously be catching up with the Champions League games. You know, everyone gets on. Uh, but i think that's it i think that's massively it thanks so much for listening to up front uh, if you've got any questions hit us up on twitter i am at Morgie underscore 89 rach is at girls on the ball or alex is really helpfully at alex ibaseta 23 we will see you next week